you have a Bible handy, won't you turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter 12. It's where we're going to begin this morning. Again, I'd like to extend my welcome to all our visitors that we have here. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come worship with us and sing praises with us. We hope that you'll stick around afterwards so we can get to know you a little better and get to tell you a little bit about ourselves. As was mentioned earlier, Jacob is in Martinville preaching a gospel meeting, so that is why you guys get the double dose of Zach today, uh, which I'm fine with, hopefully you are too. Um, But he's out preaching a gospel meeting, so that is why I am here. Um, But we're going to start today in Acts chapter 12, and we'll start and begin in verse 12. Actually, we'll begin in verse 11. We're, at this point in Acts, we have Peter uh, is escaping from jail. He's freed by an angel of the Lord. And verse 11, Now when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all, the Jewish people were expect- and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And now down in verse 25, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. This morning we're going to discuss a character that pops up a few times in Acts and is written about a few times in some of Paul's letters. And that character, that, that example that we have, is the story of John Mark. His story is fascinating to me because it plays directly to our world today. It plays directly into people that we know. Or people that we have been. So many people in their lives have had moments like John Mark. So many of us can talk about how we've been affected or seen people like John Mark. And what I mean by this is that if we look through Acts, we'll see what happens with John Mark. As we look through Paul's letters, we'll see a relationship that grows from John Mark. Acts chapter 13, if you'll turn with me there, please. Acts 13 and verse 5. When they, this is Barnabas and Saul, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. And down in verse 13, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. We see John Mark set out to do the work with Barnabas and Saul, or in Paul, but he stops. He goes home in Acts chapter 13. And this causes some issues when we look forward in this story. Flip a page to Acts chapter 15, maybe two pages. Acts 15 and verse 37 through 39, and we see what John's going home causes. 15, 37, or we'll start in verse 36 actually. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with him one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with him to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended, or commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. John Mark causes a rift here between Paul and Barnabas. They want to go back and visit the churches they started to see the Christians and encourage them. And Barnabas wants to bring along John Mark. And Paul is very hesitant. In fact, he says no, because of what John Mark did. Barnabas takes him. Paul goes his separate way. 
And as we go throughout this lesson, as we go throughout the Bible, we'll see a relationship that is repaired between John Mark and Paul. And that's a story that I want to focus on today. I want to focus us on the redemption of John Mark. Because I want us all to see how we know a John Mark personally in our lives. Or how we have either met him or been him through different stages of our life. And when we examine John Mark's story, we're not given every exact detail of his story. In fact, we're just given glimpses of his life. Like we said, as we started in John Mark's story, as we started John Mark's story in Acts 12, we see that he is doing the work at a young age. In Acts 12, as Peter goes to this house after he's been imprisoned, John Mark is there with a group of Christians praying and praying about Peter's condition. And, John, or, and Peter goes in the house and he sees him. And so clearly we can see that John Mark had a spiritual base. And at the end of chapter 12, it's a, it's a spiritual base enough to convince Barnabas and Paul to bring him along with them on their journey. As they continue in this ministry, we get to Acts 13. In verse 5, we can see that John Mark was assisting these two, these two people, John, or Paul and Barnabas, in preaching the word. He was going from synagogue to synagogue, doing some of this ministry as a young man. But in 1313, something changes in John Mark's character. You see, instead of continuing in this ministry, he goes home. He throws in the towel. He says, enough's enough. Well, I, I say that because we can understand there's an issue with how he goes home. I think if there was something, something else that happened, something not as critical, that Paul probably wouldn't have as such an adverse reaction to Barnabas wanting to take John Mark later on in the story. There was an issue with what John Mark did. Maybe he didn't appropriately count the cost of ministry. Maybe his faith was challenged as he went through this ministry. And he didn't know how to handle it properly. Maybe he faced some kind of temptation or trial in this journey. And it made him question his faith. We don't know. We really don't. But we do know that his leaving does cause the issues between Barnabas and Paul. And in Acts 15, as we read that Barnabas and Paul are setting out to go revisit the churches, they split up over this issue. That Barnabas is continuously vouching for John Mark. Because he wants him to continue in the ministry. And Paul says, no, we, we can't have that. So they go their separate ways. And it's from here that we end, we stop reading about John Mark in Acts. And we can only read about him in the letters from Paul. Turn with me to Colossians, if you will. Colossians chapter 4. And we'll see the next step of, of John Mark's relationship and work and reputation. Colossians chapter 4, and starting in verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. We can see here that Paul has a little bit more faith in John Mark. He mentions him at the end of this letter with a caveat, so to say. He tells the church at Colossae that if John Mark comes to them, well, you've got special instructions on how to handle John Mark. So while there is a growth of trust from Paul, there's also caution, what I can tell. He warns this church that, well, he's going to come and here's how you're going to handle John Mark. You're going to welcome him. So maybe the issue there was 
receiving him because of his reputation. And Paul tells them to welcome him because he is doing good work, as we can see in verse 11. He's one of the few Jewish men who has been tasked with preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and is trusted by Paul. We can see Paul is regaining his confidence in John Mark. And he regains it even more as we turn to 1 Peter, if you will. 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we see a monumental step in this confidence grow. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son. Paul closes his letter titling John Mark as his son. There's a confidence and a care from Paul in John Mark. It's no longer this is John Mark who you have to have special instructions when receiving him. It's no longer this is John Mark who left us in Pamphylia. This is John Mark, my son. He's growing in his ministry. And finally, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we can see just how far John Mark goes and how much trust Paul has in him. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we'll, we'll start in verse 11. Actually, we'll start in verse 9. In this letter, Paul is in prison in Rome. In verse 9, do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to, to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. I put this one last because in the order of which the letters were written, this is the, one of the last letters that Paul does write. And you can see how he closes it out. Bring John Mark to me, because he is useful to me. You see, in, in Paul's closing days as he's in prison, he yearns for John Mark to come and help him in the ministry. There's trust and confidence in the man who once left the ministry. John Mark grows throughout this entire New Testament narrative. And it's a growth that I think we all go through. You see, John Mark starts off as this young man with, with, so to, with, with something of great promise in the church. Someone who seems that he's going to be doing a lot of work for the church. But his work is sidetracked, and he returns to Jerusalem for some reason. And whatever this reason was, it causes him to abandon the work. It damages his relationship with Paul that he has to rebuild throughout these letters. But he does so. He works hard and dedicated, or he is dedicated to fixing that image and redeeming himself. And ultimately ends up as one of Paul's most trusted men in the world. John Mark teaches us some important points for both the individual and the church when it comes to situations like this. As an individual, we must remember that a crisis does not mean the end of our story. If and when we have a crisis of faith, if we fail to it, if we succumb to it, that is not the end for us. There is a response that we can have, and that response can be one of John Mark. Crises of faith seemingly come to everyone. There's always some test that we have to face, something that may bring about doubt of our faith. But there's always an opportunity to return to that faith. John Mark is sidetracked, that much we can tell. 
And looking at his lifestyle, we can see that he lost his fight with his faith. He goes home instead of continuing in the ministry. And we can lose his fight too. And often many times we do. We may be like John Mark because we have questions that arise from our faith. Questions regarding the reality of, or the reality of God. The creation of the world. If our faith actually makes a difference in our lives. We may be studying through the Bible and realize that we fully can't wrap our mind around God and the stories in the Bible. And that may scare us and push us away. We may be like John Mark because of outside influences. If we think of John Mark's age, he was very much a young man when he went on his ministry. Think of the influence the world may have had on him, that the world may have on us. As young people, there are so many distractions that may come into our lives. The people we hang out with, the things we watch, the things we read through social media. We can be influenced because others are living a different life than us, and seemingly, they're enjoying it more. It makes more sense to go do that because, well, they're having a good time. And I don't know if I can have a good time with my faith. We may be like John Mark because the pressure of being faithful to God is just simply too much to handle. The pressure as a young man here to teach the gospel in this passage might have been too much to handle for John Mark. It may be too much to handle for us to spread the gospel to those that we work with, to carry ourselves in a life that God expects of us. And eventually we may get tired of it or question if it's really worth it. Any one of us can be sidetracked like John Mark was. And I'm sure that we all can look at this and think of people in our minds that come to us. The reason that John Mark's story fascinates me so much is because when I read of John Mark, I can put my name in his stead and be completely convicted for things that I have done. You see, as a young man, I was raised in the church. When I was baptized at 14, I immediately found ways that I could work in the church. I would lead singing, help on the Lord's Supper table, even preach a sermon here and there. I thought I was doing good. I looked at my future and I thought, well, if this is what faith is like, this is going to be easy. There's nothing that can seriously stop me from doing this. But then I got sidetracked, much like John Mark. I let my friends influence me. I let the world influence me. It made me question, well... Is that really worth it? Is it worth it to go to church Sundays and Wednesdays, to preach, to teach, when all my friends seem to be having fun and enjoying their life, and they don't have to do that? See, much like John Mark, I had those times where I, I questioned it, and I had to put it away for a little bit. But however, much like John Mark, and much like most of us, we realize what we need to do. We realize that that crisis those questions or that struggle that we face is not the end for us. We have a realization of getting back to that care and love that God shows us. And John Mark is determined in his story to do so. We have to be too. John Mark shows us how to respond to such an understanding. He's determined and focused on his goal of returning to the fold. And for those of us who have been like John Mark and have been able to grow from it, we understand the determination that comes from it. Determination to remain loyal to God, knowing how easy it is to fall away. Determination to remain loyal to God, knowing that others might question your faith and might point at your struggles that you have already been through and really question if you mean it. Throughout John Mark's story, we can see how his determination works. 
Paul doubts his turning back to the work. But he pushes through that. He finds a way to continue in the ministry. In such a way that Paul eventually depends on him when he's in prison. Through all his journey back, John Mark is determined to do what is right. And we have to be too. This means we must be determined to put our old selves behind us. To say no to the world. And this may mean leaving those influences that have influenced us before. Putting aside some friends. Maybe finding a new job in a new area. It's a difficult thing to do. But if we're determined to remain loyal to God, to push through the crisis that we have faced, then we have to be willing to do so. We have to be willing to take away anything that detracts from our faith until we're strong enough to stand on our faith. And this means we have to be determined to withstand criticism or doubt in our lives. You see, for a long time, I felt like I was never going to be good enough for God in the eyes of someone else. That because of what I had done, people just didn't, didn't see that anymore. They would think of me as that stain instead of a Christian. That my faith crisis pulled me too far away. And that in my eyes, I was lesser than those Christians around me. If I felt this way, I can only imagine that John Mark might have felt that way too. That he felt that way because of Paul's doubts in him. That he had to work through that. He had to push through that. And you can see the determination that's, is, that comes through that action. John Mark puts his trust in God and just focuses on that task at hand. John Mark shows us that if the crisis does not mean that it is the end, that you have to be true to God in your heart. If you aren't true in your heart to God, then that one crisis you faced won't be the end of anything. It'll mean you'll continually face struggles and continually fail and turn back to what is easier. No doubt there were more trials that John Mark faced, especially in this early world of Christianity. No doubt there was stories that he heard of his fellow disciples becoming martyrs for the faith. And yet he is true to God and true in his heart and continues to push forward because his crisis was not his end. We have to understand this. That if we truly turn back to God after those mistakes, those stumblings, then it has to be true dedication. Because if it's not, then we'll start to, start to falter when things get hard again. A true heart of faith will remind us that God will help us through any crisis. That He is there to strengthen us and lift us up in our times of weakness. And we can focus on that and cling to that, much like John Mark did. Besides this individual response that a crisis does not mean the end, there is a response that the church has to have as well. We must focus on building each other up. As a church, we have a responsibility to our brothers and sisters to encourage them, to strengthen them, to build them up. And we can see from John Mark's story that there is this sort of community response that is necessary. And Paul and Barnabas hold very different responses in Acts 15. In Acts 15, if we remember correctly, Barnabas wanted John Mark to go with him, and Paul said no. Now, I think that Paul was a little mistaken in what he said, or what he did. Paul wasn't willing to give him that second chance for John Mark, and Barnabas was. And I think Paul should have given Bar or John Mark that second chance, because he shuts him down. And if John Mark wasn't as dedicated or focused on getting back to the work, that may have been the end for John Mark's work. 
And too often we can be like that with other Christians who have dealt with their trials. We can immediately look at them and just recall all the bad things that they have done. And just say, well, if they were like that before, they're never going to change. So why should I waste my time in encouraging them and building them up? Now, don't take me the wrong way when I say this. Because I do think everyone should be held accountable for our actions, wrong or right. God's going to hold us accountable for those actions. But what I am saying, that if someone is intent upon walking faithfully in their life, then we shouldn't be there to stop them or be a barrier in their way. We should be there to encourage them, to lift them up, to help them getting back to where they need to be. So instead of questioning everything they do or treating them with disdain, we have to be willing to show love and encouragement to them. Instead of bringing up their past and tearing them down because of it, we must be willing to help them focus on what's ahead instead of what's behind. Barnabas does this for John Mark. Barnabas is trusting that John Mark is going to do right this second time around. And as a church, we play a crucial role in how someone feels returning to the faith. I remember when I was younger, when I was dealing with my own temptations, my own struggles, the, the way the church talked to me, or the people in the church talked to me, dealt a large burden on how I acted. There were times where I felt really encouraged and felt like I could do it. And then there were times where I felt like, well, they don't really care about me. Why should I do it? A church can be cold to people returning to the faith. We don't talk to them or interact with them. We push them out and make no attempt to welcome them back into the fold. We give them dirty looks or shake our head at them, and we can't get over their actions. We can be lukewarm to them. Everything we say or do with them is kind of sarcastic or backhanded. We note that maybe, yeah, they're making progress in their lives, but you wouldn't have to, had to make that progress if you hadn't fallen away in the first place. There's a lukewarmness because they have to meet our expectations first, and then God's. That if they don't make, meet our expectations of what a Christian should look like, well then, they're just not doing it right. Or we can be warm to them as a church. We can be genuine with these people. How would you want to be treated in these instances? Would you want those cold shoulders or that lukewarm feeling? Or would you want someone there to help you up, put their arm around you, encourage you, saying, that's not the end. You've still got a story before you. As a church, we can do this easily and express joy in their return. Joy in their love for God and their understanding that they have a return in God. And if we want to be Barnabas in this instance, if we want to build them up, we have to be willing to forgive first and foremost. If I can't forgive someone for the mistakes they've made, whether those mistakes impact me or not, then I'm never going to be genuine with them because I can't forgive them. Forgiveness isn't always easy to do because people will say things, they'll do things that hurt us. And it's hard to overlook that. And I understand that. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. But if we are willing to forgive them, much like Jesus has forgiven all of us for our sins, then we're going to be able to be genuine with them and encourage them in their walks back to God. If we want to build others up who are returning to the faith, we must give them opportunities to do the work and encourage them to seize those opportunities. Instead of having them build, themselves, build their way up, we have to be willing to let them jump in if they want to help. We have to remind them of the goal that God has for all of us, 
to be good and faithful servants so that we can be with Him one day. That their goal isn't just a single goal. That the rest of us are striving to do the same. And that we're there for their encouragement. We must be willing to remind them and encourage them when they do things that are right. That when they do something good in the church or in their faith, that there's encouragement for them. But we also have to be willing to build them back up if they do slip. If they are penitent. Because our goal is always to be edifying and encouraging to those in the faith. And if we're willing to do so as a church, then we can grow as God's people. We have a responsibility as a church to build each other up. To help each other. And that includes anyone who is like John Mark. Who has slipped away but is returning back for it. John Mark is a story of redemption. A young man who had promise in the work of ministry but fell off of that path. And then a young man who worked tirelessly and dedicatedly to return to the work. And continued in that work. Until Paul calls him as a son and depends on him in prison. We can all learn so much from this story. Because we all have either been in his shoes or seen others in his shoes. We have felt doubts or pressures because of our faith. But what matters is if we can respond like John Mark does. If we respond with that same dedication to return. And be just as useful in the ministry as before. Will you pray with me about that? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity you have given us today to come worship you and sing praises to you. And we pray that as we continue in our lives that we will continually focus on you and not let our past hold us back, but instead push on to the goal of being with you one day. Father, we pray that as a church that we will be there to encourage one another, to build each other up and strengthen each other on our roads, on our walks of faith. And we pray that you will strengthen each one of us to do the same. We thank you so much for the love and the grace that you have showed us and bestowed upon us. And we pray that you will always remind us of that and keep it in our hearts. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. At this time, we would like to offer an invitation. Anyone who has been studying through the gospel and understand that the way to salvation is through Christ. Through accepting that he came to this earth and died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. If there's anyone here who is in need of baptism or repentance, won't you come now while we stand and sing? Oh.